0: What's up, podcast? Welcome to a very special Q&A episode of the show. One question that I get asked all the time is, why is the podcast called Chasing Kangaroos? Now, if you don't know, once you hear it, you're going to say, oh, fuck, how did I not realize this? Now, our goal is to shine a light on the international side of rugby league, uh, some of the competitions that you will not hear virtually anywhere else, uh, the nations that play the greatest game of all, and those nations who are chasing the world champions, the Australian kangaroos. Get it? Chasing kangaroos, the world champs, Australia? So if you don't know, or if you didn't know, well, now you know. Uh, So guys, last week I called out to you, the listeners, for one of you to join me on this Q&A episode. Basically, come on, join me from anywhere in the world, ask the Qs, maybe give some of your A's as well. Uh, I had a few responses, so I might have to do this again sometime down the track. But The first response that came in was from a long-time listener who has become a very good friend of mine, uh, Billy Forrester, from all the way in Wales. Side note, Billy has an interesting rugby league career. He's played for the North Wales Crusaders A-Squad. He's currently playing for Lotchford in England's North West. Uh, earlier this year, he helped the Den Haag Knights win the Dutch Rugby League Grand Final, and he still teases me about it to this day because, as you know, I'm a big Amsterdam Cobras supporter. But good on the Knights. Uh, guys, he's a founder, or one of the founders, of the North Wales Origin Concept, and he's the founder and captain of the Welsh Mighty Ducks, who's made their debut at the London Nines a couple of weeks ago, which regular listeners of this show will know. So Billy's a busy man, and he's a mad, mad rugby league man, as you're about to find out in this Q&A episode. So after the Q&A, guys, stick around, because I'll talk golden points, all the news from all around the rugby league world. Uh, I'll also tell you how you can help me and my friend, Caesars Palace, Uh, select our world 13 squad the best players in the world you can help us decide and listen out for some huge offers from our partners as well but guys let's do it i'm michael carboni and this is episode 37 of the chasing kangaroos podcast
1: you're listening to chasing kangaroos The Rugby League podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places.
0: Billy Forrester, welcome to Chasing Kangaroos, my man.
1: Thanks for having me, Paul.
0: Buddy, uh, you've you've been listening for a while and we we talk a fair bit I think we talk every day my wife uh is probably a bit annoyed with you but you know we talk every day <laughs> on the social media channels but uh, mate how how I've never asked you this question but how did you find the show how did you f- discover us
1: um that's probably that's probably quite a good question to be honest um I can't really remember I think uh when I obviously I, I do the social media for North Wales origin and then um I went through a stage of just try, you know, trying to gain followers and try and get as much uh, of origin across as I can. And I think I discovered you on Instagram. And then I'd never really listened to a podcast before, believe it or not. And I thought, you know, I'll give it a try. And then that was it. I was hooked. Because you we were on episode sixteen then, and I, I went back and listened to every single one of them. I love it.
0: I I remember. Thanks, man. I remember. You When you started messaging me, you said, look, I just discovered the podcast today. I've listened to the first three. And then you just started messaging every day, like up to this. Can't believe what's happening in Greece. And it just kept happening until you caught up and then... And then here we are today, but man, I didn't realize that you were just using me for likes at first. You just wanted the like back, you wanted the, fo- you wanted the follow back. But, but man, that's all good. Hey, got, I gave everyone uh, in our intro tonight sort of gave everyone a bit of a bit of your history and what you're all about. So we don't need to do that. But we got oh, cool. heaps of que- we got heaps of questions, man. You want to get into them? What do you want to ask first? Yeah,
1: So um, my I'm going to start with my question first because yeah, cool. I've only I've only thought of one, but. Um, I think we have discussed this topic before, actually. So my question is, uh, we all love expansion. Obviously, that's why we listen to the show. Um, But where where does the North American dream become its own thing? So you've got Toronto, you've got New York, you've got Ottawa. They're all coming into the English system. When does it become its own own dream? And where does that leave England when it does?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't answer when, so like an exact year or anything like that, but I think it needs to be part of the planning from the get-go. So as soon as Toronto gets into Super League next year, which I believe they will, there needs to be a plan in place for, for the other guys to come through and for them to eventually break away into their own conference. And we need to be careful that it doesn't hurt the, the Super League in any way. It doesn't hurt the English sides or the French sides that are there, that in fact it, it, it helps. it helps that. So whether that means you have a North American Super League and your yeah, yeah, European Super League, um, maybe you have a couple of conferences in Europe eventually. Who knows? But but I, I think eventually it just becomes a stronger worldwide sort of sort of Super League in a way. Uh, so your North American sides will just be playing each other. Your English sides will be playing each other, and maybe they have like a bit of a Challenge Cup. Um, or, or a World Club Challenge, sorry, at the end of the year or something like that. But I think that needs to be sort of in place and we need to be working towards that from the get-go. Do I think they're going to plan towards something like that? I don't think they, they sort of thought it through, to be honest with you. I think it's all short-term at the moment. Yeah. But I certainly hope so, man. What are your thoughts?
1: See, I, I've got mixed thoughts on this because the way they've structured the, the leagues now, where it's um, promotion and relegation, and if you if you went back to licensing in yeah. England, the way it could work would be perfect for America, in the sense yeah. where they could create their own American Super League, like you say, which pr- would probably not be to the standard. No disrespect to them, they've, they've got the athletes, but the actual quality of rugby probably wouldn't be there.
0: It'll take time, you could, yeah.
1: You could get the likes of Ottawa to stay in League One, New York to stay in Championship and then your Toronto to stay in Super League. And then that is your your literal, like, actual to the top.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's funny what you said about promotion relegation, like, because I don't want to go too far off the question, but I I think it actually hurts the Super League more than it helps. And I I, I don't know what your thoughts are. You're obviously a lot closer to the action over there in Wales, but I know that in English sport or in UK-based sport, that that is just a normal thing. But I just see it being such a major issue and I think it needs to change eventually. Like, there needs to be some licensing. But, I'm you know, not sure what you think about that one, man. But, mate, why don't we... Uh, yeah, I the... think... Um, sorry.
1: No, sorry. <laughs> I was no, just going to jump in on that. I think it's so easy in um in rugby league, it's so easy to get out of a contract. Like, you see the way the uh, Australians come over to Super League and all they've got to say is they're homesick and they're out of a contract now. So, yeah, the... um. The way it works over here is it's so easy to get out of a contract that uh, relegation can literally ruin a club. Like, it'll be interesting to see how Rochdale bounce back from going down to League One. Yeah. What, uh, whether what, what, they try and recruit uh, local lads or lads who have been off from Championship or what. It'll be interesting to see that. And
0: what happens to the London Broncos? Because it's looking likely that they're going to go <clears throat> down now. So they've had one year at the top. They've impressed everyone. But, but who cares? Because it doesn't matter anymore. Like, it just... It seems a little bit ridiculous to me but um, yeah I'm not in charge over there unfortunately
1: I think the one thing there I'm most interested to see is uh, how Toulouse develop over the winter and yeah. then how they match up to what London will be like if they don't go up that's assuming. so no go up I suppose
0: yeah you never know so we we're saying the Wolfpack pack will go up but of course no, nothing's a lock we saw what happened last year and what else do we have we had heaps of questions what else do you want to ask
1: all right so I'll I'll go with uh, Clint Beavis, his question. He says, uh, with the excitement of Greece and Serbia being able to make the World Cup, what main heritage players uh, could they call on? So who who would they be looking to draft in to bolster the squad for the World Cup? And uh, could either of them assemble a side, such as Lebanon in 2017? That's
0: a good question. I think a lot of people would be asking that one. The, sh- the short answer... So I'll, I'll answer the last bit first. I don't think they'd be as good as Lebanon 2017. So that, that side had Robbie Farah, Michael Leisha, Tim Manor, Mitchell Moses, Alex Ford. Yeah, it, it was basically an NRL side. Um, and it was almost a full heritage side. Um, so that was a stacked team. They did really well. I don't. wouldn't expect if Greece or Serbia... Well, one of Greece or Serbia at least will make the World Cup. I wouldn't expect them to be as stacked as that Lebanon side. If you look at Serbia, you know, obviously they've got the Trebojevic brothers. They're going to be playing for Australia. They'll be playing for the Kilgouros. How, how
1: good would that be if they deferred them and went to Serbia?
0: It would be incredible. But look, it won't happen. It just won't. It simply won't. They're too good. Uh, they've got Ben Trebojevic, their younger brother. He's playing his G ball for Manly, so that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Kotric, I think there's a good chance he could be playing for Australia as well. But if not, he's a, he's an option. And Tom Opic, I think he's probably the only option out of all of those. Uh, Serbian heritage players that are sort of there at the moment. And you never know who will pop up in the next couple of years. Uh, for Greece, it's a little bit different. So they've had Peter Mamatsulos, who played he's a under-19s player for South Sydney Rabbitohs. He played over there, helped them defeat Norway. So who knows where he will be in 2021. I think he'd be a chance to keep re- representing Greece. And they've had a couple of guys come up for the, for the Sharks and the Bulldogs uh, this year, play a couple of NRL games. But to be honest, there's no one sort of of note just yet. But those guys will help. Um, but yeah, to, really, they're not going to be as strong as that Lebanon twenty seventeen side, I don't think. But but will be good to see some domestic players in the mix for those two sides, those two nations.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, that option of the, the third Trebiovic brother, I think that'd be quite cool to see if if they somehow <laughs> met in the in the competition. Made a bit up playing against each other, that would be absolutely insane.
0: It'll be like mate against mate, but like more of a family rivalry. There was an opportunity this year and it didn't actually end up happening, but two of the Sims brothers could have been playing State of Origin against each other. Would have been a little bit like that, but um, yeah. But it'll be, look, really either way, it's going to be exciting to see either or both Serbia and Greece at 2021, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: it's great for expansion. It's great for, for the pathway um, through. I think uh, on that one as well, I think Greece have got quite a few players. In, I don't know if it's Super League, but Championship and League One, there's a few uh, heritage players knocking
0: around. they they got Stefanos Bastos, in, who plays for Doncaster in League One. He's not a her- heritage player. He was actually born in Greece. He played for the um, the Rhodes Knights, and he's doing really well. So they've got guys at that level. Uh, they can be competitive. You know, They can be competitive at that sort of third tier, maybe. Um, so, yeah, definitely some guys to call on.
1: Right, so we move on then. Um, What else we got,
0: man? Yeah, keep it going.
1: We have the Sunshine Coast Falcons Weekly. Yep. What is the best reserve grade comp in the world?
0: (laughs) I think the Sunshine Coast Falcons Weekly wants me to say the Super Cup, the Queensland Cup, and I'd probably agree. So it's a combination of Queensland Cup and the Canterbury Cup in New South Wales, and I think we decided every year on Grand Final Day, on NRL Grand Final Day, we have like our Super Bowl between the the winners of the Queensland Cup and the New South Wales Cup to decide who is the best in that sort of reserve grade. Uh, I I don't think the championship sort of holds up to to these competitions. I don't know if you disagree, Billy. What do you think of the championship, man? Uh,
1: I think obviously in in England, it's all going to get restructured now next year with the reserves coming in. But the natural progression of the way that the Australian system works, where Players just keep moving up into that next cup level, next cup level, Yeah. and then ultimately find themselves playing NRL. I think that is, I think for the way the because of the numbers that you get over there, it works. But I, I couldn't see that working in England. But that's not to say they shouldn't try it because I believe it is the best system. So, so, so you don't think it'll work? Has it? It's they've they had a reserve grade before, haven't they? Yeah, um, I think there's just. Uh, a lot of people lose interest when they get uh, like what you would call a career, I suppose, and yeah. they, then they prioritise it over here, Whereas, like in Australia, it's the dream to chase it, and in Britain because it's not like as funded and it's not as yeah. as priority. I think people start losing interest in the fact that if I get injured, I'm off work and there's no one who can supplement me. So um, it's.
0: It's funny, sorry to cut in, but it's like two things that make arguably the NRL is a better standard than Super League. Like I'll say that. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I'll say that. Yeah, I, probably... I agree. <laughs> two, of the, two reasons are our reserve grade system and our what is effectively like perpetual licensing. So, you know, two things that are very un-English or un-European when it comes to sport, probably holding the Super League back a little bit, man. What else have we got? What other questions have we got?
1: It goes for um, our boy Nate, I think. Um, if New York Rugby started to develop Americans, will the NRL come snooping, and will it lead to a new age vision of the Super League War?
0: Good, good question, Nate. I think you're at work, aren't you, man? So I can hear some something going on in the background. Yeah, so exactly, hopefully I
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, So Nate glad a good question, man. Rugby League in America podcast. I think, I think it kind, I think. It won't be like a new age Super League war, but what I think could happen, um, like I think we need to get some players from the US into the NRO into Super League through those pathways somehow. I think what's going to happen in the US and what I'd like to see happen is, do, do you? So, did you ever watch like WWF wrestling when you when you were younger, Billy?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. Okay,
0: so when before like I, before I was born, so back in like sixties and seventies, wrestling in America was like geographically sort of based was run by little geographic uh, geographic based organizations and promotions. So you'd have guys all over the place until Vince McMahon came in, brought it in all under the WWF banner and sort of made the thing like it exploded worldwide. And then later on down the track, you had WWF and WCW and they hated each other. I think, funnily enough, I know, like, totally different. Like, one's, one's an entertainment sport, one's, one's rugby league. But I think rugby league can follow that script to a degree because we're seeing in the US at the moment, you've got USARL, you've got uh, Midwest Rugby League, you've got California Rugby League popping up as well. And I've just heard recently, and I'll talk about it more on the Golden Points, but rugby league in Texas as well. So we're starting to see all these sort of geographic-based sort of promotions building rugby league in the, in the States. And one day it's just going to take... Someone to come in and really put it all together. And I think the opportunities are there. So, Super League could definitely take over the West Coast. So, you've got, and I'm talking America, USA, and Canada here. So, you've got going to have New York, you're going to have Ottawa, you've got Toronto. They can really develop that West Coast and have like an American Super League. Um, and then on the other side, you've got California and places like that, and a lot closer to the NRL sort of side of things. And I think the NRL, if, they, if they've got a bit of smarts about them, they could start investing in this territory and look at places like California, British Columbia, and Canada on that side of that side of America as well, and start to have like a uh, an American NRL sort of thing. So you could have like there was WWF versus WCW, you could have American National Rugby League and American Super League or something like that, and everyone's investing in it and everyone's making money from it. I think the biggest issue that NRL and Super League have with the USA is eventually, if things got too big over there and they made too much money, then they could sort of usurp the NRL Super League's power. But I think if we're all investing in the US, then it could be a good thing for Rugby League. I'm going to talk to Nate more about this on a future episode as well, so I'm glad he asked the question. But man, WWE versus WCW, does that excite you?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I completely agree, to be honest. So, yeah, I think um, I don't know how unions has been set up over there, but I'd imagine that they've they've gone through the pathway that you kind of say you set up your territories. I'd imagine similar to what you'd say junior rugby is like in Australia, where you've got your Penrith and your your Parramatta, I'd imagine, and all them areas. If you you can focus on it like that, and then like what's happening in Union now, where they're bringing in Major League rugby, if if, if they did that the way that Union seems to have gone, but like you say, you've not got the hostility of Rugby Union versus rugby league over there. People just like to play. That's right, man. So, we're just got to give them more opportunities. If
0: yeah, if we build that foundation, then you've got your professional teams on top. We're just got to sort of fill in the middle. I think.
1: Yeah, that's it. And there, there should be no reason why they couldn't then bring it in to so the. Like I said before, if it so happened that the three North American teams found themselves in separate leagues over in the English system, when that major league rugby league started. In America at that grade, there's no reason why the natural progression couldn't happen like it does in Australia. Yeah. And um, kind the of way exactly you right. just move on to the next and move on to the next and work the way up. Come. Cool. But I do also think that I really like the way that the Americans uh, deal with sport, the way they make the kids get an education. Yeah. And they go on to the NFL and they go into the draft. Maybe not so intense with rugby league, but if they, if, I think that should be the way that every sport deals with uh, the way they bring their products up to standard. The
0: the Americans know what they're doing and we could learn a lot, I think, especially even the way they market the game. I think we've got a lot to learn. And uh, yeah, it's definitely an area that if you're an International Rugby League fan, you look at America, you look at the USA uh, very closely and something to get excited about, I think. (laughs) This episode of Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, your elite rugby league coach online. My name is Lee Addison, and this is a tip for all you coaches out there. Dangle carrots in front of your players at all times, set them realistic challenges, set your players' expectations, and congratulate them when they meet them, and then set them something slightly higher. This and other similar tips can be found on our website, which is your coaching textbook for the 21st century. Send an email now to admin at rugbyleaguecoach.com.au with the words Chasing Kangaroos in the title to get your special listener 50% discount offer. Let us know if you're a coach, a player or an s coach and tell us a little bit about yourself and we will get you online.
1: Daniel John says, "Should Oztag be affiliated with the NRL in the same way? Touch football." Do
0: you know? Do you know what Oztag is? You guys have you guys wouldn't have Oztag.
1: I uh, I know of Oztag. I know, I can't say I know it inside out, but I know of Oztag.
0: So I think it's similar to tag rugby. So you guys have tag rugby over there. So you've got like the little Velcro yeah, tags yeah. that you pull off, and it's it's kind of like touch football, but it's it's because it because it's not as simple as simple as touching. Uh, in defense, you sort of have to rip off these tags there 's a lot more footwork, a lot more ball play. The actual style of play and the yeah. skills involved are much more rugby league like than touch football, which is just run and dump run and dump run and dump, go as fast as you can so i think I think um i think Oztag should be aligned with the NRL. I think it will be. I think there are discussions in place from what I hear in the background, and I think we will see a partnership happening soon. And I think it, I think it's going to be great because personally, like I've played Oztag before, it's more fun to play, more fun to watch. Uh, the skills are more closely aligned. Yeah, I think it's definitely the way to go.
1: I always, it always looks so competitive. When I've seen it, it looks so competitive. And could clean cut lines as well, like everywhere, because they don't want to be anywhere near it. It's anywhere. crazy,
0: man. Like the line running, the ball play, you can kick as well. So you can't put up big bombs and things like that. But definitely all the rugby league skills are there. And, and you know, guys like uh, Sean Johnson, Benji Marshall, guys like that, you're going to get sort of more of that calibre of player. Like you can even use it as a junior development tool. A lot of the smaller guys... That don't yeah. want to play against you know big blokes like yourself, Billy. Or they get a bit scared by some of the big Polynesian boys coming through. Then uh, they can sort of develop their skills at OzTag level, and then once they get a little bit more confident, put on a little bit more size and muscle, then they can they can get into tackle rugby league.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I think over here they start uh, tackling at I'm going to say six, maybe seven, but. Um, the, the kids who aren't just just aren't ready for that that's perfect for really to run a, if you run it alongside uh, like a you tackle team I suppose yeah you're keeping so,
0: more kids in the game
1: and then well, once they're ready to to go in they're ready aren't they even if not they, they could be ready the, people I find that clubs run off people that just like being around the club, and some kids like that they might never be ready to tackle what they'd be involved in the sport. And included.
0: Yeah. And you could certainly play for a lot longer as well. Like, I've seen guys that are 40, 50 playing Oztag because there's not as much contact. So
1: it's a lot of fun. Dane Clark from Clarkies and Larky.com. He says, <laughs> What does the Chasing Kangaroos podcast look in 10 years' time? <laughs> no, I think I'll take lead on this one. Then. Yeah, tell I me, think, what do you want it to look like? As a listener, I think it's going to be. We're going to. We're gonna combine forces. And we're <laughs> then gonna be called the the Chasing Mighty Ducks podcast <laughs> because the Mighty Ducks will have taken over Crusaders license by them, and then, and we'll be flying. We'll be in Super League, I'm... and then it'll be it'll it'll be more like the Howling Hour than it will Chasing. I'm glad.
0: Uh, I'm glad you said that because I know it sounds. It's out. We joke about it. We've joked about this before, like buying the lot, the. Well, uh, the North Wales Crusaders license and and rebranding them, the North Wales Mighty Ducks, and getting them to Super League and things like that. We've joked about that, and but but I've started the podcast to eventually be able to do cool shit like that. And, and what I mean is, I haven't I haven't been sort of I haven't really expressed this on the show or in public before. But the reason I started the show was obviously to help spread the word about international rugby league and hashtag grow the game. But the best way to do that is, you know, to grow an audience and and eventually be able to help financially. So the whole purpose of growing an audience, and I'm very patient, like it might take me 10 years to grow a really good audience, but to be able to monetize that, and I don't mean like charging people to listen, I'll never charge people to listen to the show, but to be able to like build money f- through sponsorship dollars and be able to sort of help fund, you know, clubs and nations around the world and eventually be able to, to, you know, take a, a Welsh Mighty Ducks team or something like that. That's what I want to do. And in 10 years' time, we joke about it, but, you know, I really want to help grow the game, man. And that's why it's important that our listeners, you know, share, rate, review, subscribe, tell their friends, like get the word out there, grow, grow. let's grow our listenership. And, um, yeah, let's get the, the Welsh Mighty Ducks to Super League Billy. Really.
1: Well, we'll we'll start with the Cabra Nines first, I think. <laughs> but in a couple of years' time, I'll hit you up for some better when, when we're ready. No work. worries,
0: man. We'll, we'll, we'll get back. The Chasing Kangaroos logo will be on the Welsh Mighty Ducks jersey once again. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible.
1: We'll change the logo to incorporate the
0: kangaroo. A duck chasing a kangaroo.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. With the V. Don't forget the V. Love it. Right, so... Aussie sporting memes says, "How long until international rugby league surpasses state of origin?"
0: Ah, oh, fuck, that's a good question. I get, I'm not Nostradamus, so I don't know. It will happen eventually. It will happen organically, but I think like we we need to get out of this like it's international rugby league or Origin sort of mindset. So they need to work together, and I think they can. Um, international rugby league needs to become the pinnacle. Obviously, like yeah. Australia playing New Zealand has to be bigger than Queensland versus New South Wales. I think it will happen organically eventually. Um, But in the meantime, like state of origin is such a unique concept. I was thinking about this, like no other sport in the world has anything like state of origin. It's the best version of our sport at the moment. It's the highest quality of our sport at the moment. I'm not going to say the highest level because playing for your country is more important than playing for your state, but the quality is there. It's what will get people watching the game and wanting to play the game. I just think it's an important level you, you know it yourself, like North Wales Origin, like it's it's an important step. Like you guys are trying to replicate that sort of that level and that feeling, and and nations all over the world are trying to do that when it comes to the rugby league. Um, so yeah, the answer is I don't know when it will surpass, but we've got to work. It's it's all got to work together. It's it's all beautiful. It's all it's all part of the greatest game.
1: I think with Origin uh, rugby, obviously it's the only place it's different is Australia. You have your different versions. You have Malta doing the expats and the residents. And you have like North Wales Origin. We play in a three-way series. And I think the end goal of all them Origin uh, setups in every other country is to make that jump to the highest level you can play. So yeah. whereas in Australia, it's seen as the the greatest game you could say at the moment, and it's, it's the best version of rugby league that there is in the world, which I have no doubt it is at the moment, like you say, for the quality. They never actually talk about how Origin will benefit the players to get into Australia. They always just select an Australia squad after. They don't really like say, oh, he's uh, Cook's had a good three tests. He's, he's got to be sure for the Australian jersey. They never actually promote the the country after and the international side after. I feel they from where I am. Yeah. I don't know whether well, they do that in
0: australian but no you're right they don't and the thing is they used to so origin used to be about picking an australian side and certainly when it was just the state sort of state versus state matches before the state of origin concept um there used to be like this progression i remember as a kid like it was about you'd play new south wales rugby league at the time so you'd play for your club and if you did well in new south wales you'd play city country and if you did well for that, you'd play State of Origin. And if you did well for that, you'd play for the Kangaroos. And that sort of died in the arse a little bit because the the standard of NRL became better than city country standard, uh, believe it or not. And,
1: yeah.
0: you know, you're in, the international game sort of fell by the wayside a little bit, but Origin kept getting stronger and stronger. So it sort of become less about Kangaroos jerseys and more about state versus state, mate versus mate. I think that'll change. I think that's going to change soon. The Oceania Cup, um, we'll, we'll see to that for sure. Like the guys that are putting on this Tongan jersey, uh, they're making sure of that as well. And we really need New Zealand and England to step up and, and chase those kangaroos down because if they can do that and if we, can get, if we can get New Zealand up there and England up there, then it'll be good, man. But but I agree with you. Like Origin needs to be about that kangaroo's jersey at the end of it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree as well. And um, with the way they've brought uh, Great Britain back out now, I kind of I kind of feel let down by the Great Britain side. Um, yeah. At the moment, because they've, um, they've, they've only selected two players that were in English, which is annoying um, from my perspective. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... That's uh, that's annoyed me a bit. Uh but they, I think I'm more annoyed at the fact that if they had so they've they've made a twenty eight man squad, I think. If they'd have 29, just selected yeah. twenty nine, sorry. If they'd have um made that thirty two and included two players from Scotland, two players from Wales, two players from Ireland in whatever concept you want. I think that's majorly important for the the development in that country. So then They can go back and say like, look, Regan Grace is a part of, he never played, but he could then have an influence on the Dragon Arts system in Wales. He could come down and do do a bit of coaching and then that transfers down into the Origin setup because they take it back. And I think it's all the way it goes down. Like the way it goes up in the Australian system, the learning still comes down in every country. Yeah, good point. That's uh, that for me is took the shine off Great Britain, which obviously takes the shine off. the league for me personally.
0: Man, Regan Grace not getting selected was an absolute farce. Like he's <laughs> been one of the best. Like he's been incredible uh, for St Helen's this year. I could take this full
1: well. hour and ranting about Great Britain. I could, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> well,
0: gonna. Now, no, well, I'll, I'll start it for you if you like, because I've I've said on this show in the past, and you've heard me say it. But to me, like I rather see England. Out here, if this is how they 're going to if this yeah. is how they 're going to treat it, and you know England have a chance or had a chance to they're world number two at the moment had a chance to really get to world number one this year if they came out and played Australia, but it just never happened and and because england aren 't playing if if New Zealand beat Australia this year, then they' will jump into world number two because there 's no English side sort yes. of playing but look it''s it's it 's pretty much just England rebranded, and I think they had an opportunity i mean they 've got they 've got um who have they, they've got a couple of guys from from Ireland and Wales, but it's just not enough, man. And most of them are heritage, I believe. So. Yeah, the, anyway.
1: the thing with that as well, with the Irish players, uh, they might have played in the World Cup, so Joe Philbin's been included, and rightly so. He's been a phenomenal for uh, Warrington this year. He's really come on. But they're going to brand yep. him as an Irish player, but he was selected for England Knights this year. So he was in yep. the England Knights squad. So are you actually wanting him to be Irish or are you wanting him to be English? Do you... Know,
0: Do you do you get behind Great Britain Lions or do you wish that Wales had more games?
1: Uh, I would wish Wales had more games. I think the, there's no... If they're selecting the squad, like you say, England rebranded and only including two players, I, I feel like Great Britain is point, completely pointless because they're not te- helping the lesser nations that aren't England develop. Yeah they're not because they're not including enough players. And like you say, it's detrimental to England's like world rankings because they're not actually playing. So what is the concept of it? Are you trying to benefit the countries or are you trying to just damage England's not reputation but the the world rankings and stuff, it doesn't actually make sense. Whereas like if they included the a quota of players, I know Wayne Bennett says he doesn't want he wants to pick his best squad. That's fair enough, but if you extended the squad to include the players that can take it back to their nations that would make more sense to me. He can yeah, go what's... with he can select this English A team. That's fine on match day he can do that, but if he's going to if they're going to run a Great Britain program there needs to be a benefit for all nations.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day those 29 names didn't include NRL players. So you're going to think that at least 10 guys who play over here are going to walk straight into that Great Britain side. Yeah. And they're going to leave 10 behind, you know. So, it's, you know, what, what's an extra couple? Would it, well, anyway, we we'll could probably talk about this one all night, man. What other questions yeah, have we got? We could, I could go all
1: night, honestly. <laughs> um, right. Uh, another one from Clint, Clint Beavis says, with the amount of history in French rugby league, why did it seem to struggle to grow the game in any significant way? Uh, like we are seeing in other parts of the world.
0: Clint had some good questions and uh, that was that was a good one. Look, I, I think it comes down to money at the end of the day. So um, we're, all, we're all familiar with the history of, of France and what happened over there, the Vichy regime and all that sort of thing and what rugby union, the history between yeah. rugby union and rugby league. So we won't go into too much detail. We all know it. But I think we just, we failed to recover financially since that day. Rugby union is so rich and powerful over there. And I just remember all through... My younger days growing up, I'd, you'd see like some young French players coming through, but they immediately get poached and snapped up by rugby union clubs. And it's very difficult for a league to grow over there. I think, I think we need to look at, I sort of wish that sort of the Super League would try and help out in some way. Like that elite one needs more exposure. It, 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 they need to grow it. Like that, the elite one should sort of run alongside the championship and be at that championship level. You know, See, I dis- like
1: I disagree with that. Sorry, to
0: yeah, tell me, tell me why I should I'm...
1: run alongside NCL, like your national conference, so your highest amateur level. Okay. I know that so... a lot of them players get paid in France and it's semi-pro, but I think in terms of skill level, and and I understand uh, not a plug, but Samara Rugby League he does a lot for France and he gets players over and from Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do feel like if uh, the French. Premier Division, you could say, would uh, go with the Premier of the NCL, and if they even if they just did an All Stars game every year, where they or every other year, I feel that could be a huge benefit to France. Uh, I've always thought of it like that. I've never actually thought of it in the professional ranks because I don't I don't think that League One teams would give it the time of day because they don't really have the money. Some teams do, but there's a big difference between like the top eight and the uh, uh, and like the bottom four. I think it is. Uh, financially in League One, so if you clubbed it with the NCL teams and made something there, I think that do a lot of uh, do a lot of good for the game in France.
0: That's interesting. And then man, naturally,
1: cause... it's the exposure as well.
0: Yeah, you're a lot closer to the the action over there than I am. Obviously, all the way here in Sydney. So, like, I, I take that. I really take that on board. So, what what do you get to watch much Elite One? And if you do, like, what sort, do you put it at that sort of like, NCL would be like fourth division. So is that where you place League One? Is it that standard? Or do you think the standard's a little bit higher?
1: I personally think it's a bit controversial. Uh, I think that NCL Premiership teams are better than League One teams. Interesting. Uh, Because of licensing. Like, I know I talk about them all the time. We talk about West Wales Raiders. Uh, Someone like Fatou I used to play at Fatou I never made the first grade, but um, their first team would probably in your terms shellac West Wales Raiders <laughs> yeah. they're full they're full of ex-Super League players ex-League one ex-Championship and they, they're not interested in playing professional they want to play at their home club where they used to play it's round the corner they've all got careers but you see them they beat um, Fatawif beat North Wales Crusaders in the Challenge Cup this year
0: and Yeah.
1: I think that that shows, and that's that. I don't think that's a one-off either. I think if they played them in a four, like three or four-game test, I think you'd find that that away would win a lot more.
0: Very interesting, man. I didn't realise also that I said shellac so much, but obviously I do. It's, it's a catchphrase. <laughs>
1: it's a great word, great <laughs> word.
0: Man, yeah. Play, obviously, like. There's a lot of potential in France, I sort of group France with Wales as well. I know you agree with me on this one, but I'd agree today. in terms yeah. of that question as well,
1: specifically because um like you yeah. say, we've, we've had a lot of good talent in the past come through, and it's such a rich like they've all gone on to do things in union if they haven't they've known for league, and that's how it was, and they used to have a great team back in the day, so I'd specifically club them into the history question.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, man, and I I think there's plenty of potential there, even now, in both those nations. So, yeah, good question, Clint. What what else we got, man?
1: (laughs) Robert Budgeen Bergen, sorry, Rob Bergen. Uh, Who who would win in a run at me (laughs) challenge between Michael Carboni (laughs) and Nate Gladden, and why?
0: Ah, Rob Bergen. Um, Me, that's when you sort of just run at each other, and whoever like. Like shoulder charge each other,
1: right? And whoever gets knocked Get over the- loses. One one has the ball, one that has nothing. <laughs> Ten meter run up, who wins?
0: All right, I'm gonna say like now, I've uh, I've stood next to Nate Gladden. I've sat across from him. We did a podcast together, live in the flesh. So I can say we're about the same height. In fact, I'm probably a centimeter or so taller than Nate. All right, and I can't say that about too many people. We're both little <laughs> dudes, right? But what he lacks in height, he certainly uh, he certainly gains in heart. Like he's got a lot of guts. He's probably a lot faster than me, and he probably if we had a if he knew that we we're going to have a run at me challenge, he would work out for three months leading up to that challenge and really train and prepare for it. Whereas I'd probably <laughs> sit on the couch, play with my kids, and eat some pizza. So I think Nate would have much more passion, drive, and determination. I've seen him. Get fended off by Jamaican guys three times the size of him at the oh, at the Americas nines. As well. so so, cool. so <laughs> <laughs> i'm up for i'm up for the challenge like i'll do it next time next time he's in australia or if i if I go over to the states I, we'll do it we'll record it, and we'll we'll do an Instagram live on both of our pages, but I think Nate would win yeah much more passion, much more determination, much bigger heart than I do, so yeah, Nate gladden you'd probably beat me in that one
1: mate. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for the question, take Robert that Take Berger, that as mate, a <laughs> Right. So, on the 7th of December, San Francisco will play in Los Angeles in a game. And who is okay. going to win? That is from M. Hendy 52
0: uh, I've got no idea. I've got no idea who's going to win.
1: <laughs> like Because,
0: like, I'll tell you why. I don't know a lot about some of these players. Like, I know a few of them. It's all very new. Um but I'm really pumped for it, man, because yeah, LA, what is it? The LA Mungrel and the San Francisco Savage, like California Rugby League. I'm excited. It's an opportunity for to, to discover a whole wave of talent that we don't get to sort of see in the USARL. Like they're like an invisible sort of group of players that, that sort of don't get to play for Hawks jerseys and things like that. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I don't know who's going to win M. Handy 52, but. Mate, it's going to be pretty exciting.
1: I think I'll, I'm going to I'm going to go out and I'm going to back the LA Mongrel. So what naturally, <laughs> naturally, you're going to have to go against me, like you normally do. Go I'll go San, San Fran 6-7. just
0: because, yeah, I'll go San Fran. Well, let's do. I'll go for San Fran. You go for LA.
1: I'll go for LA. <laughs> let's see. Well, what I'll happens. be all over my I, social I, media channels. I'll be chanting at like the LA Mongrel.
0: <laughs> I don't naturally go against you. It's just you happen to play for the Den Haag Knights when I support the Amsterdam Cobras, or you barrack. Warrington, when I support St. Helens, you just we just happen to be. I think we're just natural enemies on the on the rugby league field, mate. I, I don't know. Why. You, I think I you like
1: the glory. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> scoring anything. Else, <laughs> Me, I think you like the glory. I will George, tell you. We <laughs> yeah, going I was
0: through. gonna say, I'm a Dragons fan, so there hasn't been much glory in my lifetime. One grand final win, but man, I'll tell you, like St. Helens, I've liked them. Pretty much since I started watching Super League, and that's because of the Saints and the Red V and all that that sort of connection. Yeah, I can understand that. Amsterdam, man, they've reached out to me first when I started this show, so I've got a soft spot for them. I don't know, like I don't know, maybe I do go for I do I do want the glory as a as a hungry St George fan. I I hope that my other teams win. All I can say is all, all, all the notes. <laughs> what else we got, man? Let's keep these questions flowing. Well, I like I, it. I
1: think. I think you've, um, you've answered one of them, yeah? So we'll keep on the uh, LA and San Fran. Who are the main players to watch in, for LA and San Fran?
0: Okay. So, like I said, I don't know a lot of these guys, but I do know some of them. So you've got guys like Monte Gattis, who played for Red Star Belgrade, and he trialled for the Toronto Wolfpack. He'll be playing in this game. Guys like Matty oh, Walsh, cool. who's, he's, the, um, he's the LA captain. He was a USA Hawk guys like george reese who plays for the white plains wombats over in new york and there's a guy named michael hendrick who was actually born in greece uh but he's he's living over there at the moment so that'll be interesting but i do know there's like a bunch of like islander heritage boys who look fucking serious man they look mean like there's some big boys (laughs) and like I, i wouldn't want to tackle them i wouldn't want to play run at me with these guys and I just think it's going to be really exciting, man. Like it's going to give opportunity, like I said, to some some talent outside of the USARL catchment area. And if if we're clever with how we do this, and if California Rugby League can really become a thing, then the US the Hawks could be maybe all of a sudden they've got a wider pool of players that they can select from. Could see a stronger USA because of it. So I'm pumped, man.
1: So Tom. Go <laughs> Tom Stevenson says if California played the U.S. Hawks the uh, domestic team, so I'm guessing that's yeah. it, a mixture of the All-Stars game. Yeah. Who would yeah.
0: win? Yeah. Again, it's a tough question because I have no idea who some of these California guys are. I'm going are. for Cali, gonna, so you're going to have to go yeah. for the domestic Hawks. Well, I'm going to have to go for the for the USA AERL guys because, man, I'll tell you what, I love San Francisco Savage now. Fuck yeah, go the Savage. How good are they? <laughs> I... Yeah. I
1: <laughs> yeah, that's actually, look, it's actually quite cool, because like, the club I've just moved to are called Matchman Albion, so we call them the LA anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, there you go, LA. Man, answer that question, USARL. They'd probably win, man. They've had more experience together. But um, I don't know, man. I really want to watch this game on the, on December 7th, so hopefully there's a stream.
1: Tom oh, yeah, Stevenson, let that. us know. I'll be all over that. <laughs> uh, Coach Boss, Boss Lab says... Who is the most successful dual sport rugby football convert? So I'm t- we're talking Valentine Holmes. Uh, is, uh, is it Christian Wade who's just gone over go from rugby union now as well? That's
0: and an to, interesting to question, NFL. man.
1: Yeah,
0: it's an interesting question. I don't know. There's a few. Um, there's a few guys that have played AFL that have become really successful punters in the NFL. So I, I've got to admit, I don't know the names of these guys. I just know Valentine yeah, Holmes, feel like, Jar- Jared
1: Holmes. I feel like it's always uh, like a running back. They always go for running backs or wide receivers and they never seem to make the cup. But uh, yeah. that could be me just being ignorant because I don't fully yeah. understand yeah. the full process of it. I mean, I used to play h- American football. That was quite cool. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually did. I've tried every sport in the world, mate, honestly. Fine, I just I settled
0: mean, on the Bit of an athlete. Well, I'm glad you settled on rugby league. Man, uh, but I'm yeah.
1: certainly not an athlete. That is not the word you can use.
0: <laughs> you do win trophies though. I know that. I, for, I, I know that. That fact. is true.
1: That is true. I win trophies.
0: Can I throw a weird one out there? So this isn't dual, yeah. this isn't rugby football, dual sport. But I'm going to bring the wrestling thing back, the WWE thing back. It's a bit of a trend here on this episode tonight. But Daniel Vito, right? So he played in the NRL. He played for the Broncos, the Dragons, the Raiders, and the Warriors. He represented Samoa as well. He's currently yeah. in
1: the he's in the he's WWE now, isn't
0: he? He is, mate. He's coming through their their sort of training sort of pool, and he's he's working his way up, and he's apparently doing really well. I think he could be uh, I don't know if you classify WWE as a sport. I do because they're very athletic. Oh yeah, but definitely. I think yeah, if he can get there, he'd have to be one of the most successful dual sport converts. It's Pro- funny you should
1: bring him up, actually, because there was a guy who used to play for—I want to say Salford. I feel like his name's something Burgess. I don't know his full name, but he's—he's he's in the WWE now, or he was attempting to get into the WWE. There was a massive, um, there was a massive story on him about two years ago. The WWE signed him. I just don't know whether he ever made it.
0: Well, let's um, hope that. Let's hope to they get to, them
1: if we had a bit more information.
0: Let's get them to WrestleMania. And then you know Daniel Vito can come out <laughs> with a Dragons jersey, and this Burgess bloke can come out in a Southford jersey, and we can just promote the game, promote it rugby. It'd be like
1: a money in the bank ladder match, but you've got <laughs> you've got to grab the rugby ball instead of the money.
0: Well, I know it sounds ridiculous, but something like that, like if he get, if Daniel Vito gets to the to to onto like the main roster for the WWE then all of a sudden there's going to be more, more eyes on the NRL because of it I believe that so yeah good, good question uh, coach Boss Lab
1: so Rory Henderson which scenario is better for the sport you can only pick one A hey, nations where league is bigger than union i.e. Serbia Jamaica Cook Island become established second tier nations capable of upsetting first tier or B USA become a second tier nation capable of upsetting tier one nation. So, would you rather see um, would you rather see somewhere where union is lesser of a sport to league, and they excel to be able to upset tier one nations, or would you rather USA be able to do it from a standpoint where they're still in the shadow of union? I'd imagine.
0: I'll start by saying, Rory Henderson, I fucking hate this question. Because I want both. Um, so I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. So on one hand, like yes, the USA is a huge market, but like on the other hand, you look at like the biggest sports around the world, and you know the biggest sport around the world is soccer, football.
1: Yeah,
0: and they don't they don't have like US. The USA isn't a strong football nation. You wouldn't call them a strong soccer nation, but soccer is the most successful sport and the biggest sport in the world. Look at sports like cricket rugby union probably basketball is the only sport that's like worldwide that the USA is very strong in so if i had to choose one i'd go option 1 as much as i want the usa to be good at rugby league and and i think financially like it's, it would be a great thing to see them involved
1: yeah. if
0: you put a gun to my head rory
1: henderson i'm going to say option 1 I think, what do uh, you think I think you i think you're off uh, nate gardens christmas list there i think <laughs> Um, Sorry, I, mate, to Glenn. be honest, to be honest, with you mate, as much as it probably might annoy, mate, I've, I've got to agree. I'd love to see. I know uh, we rave Jamaica a lot, um, and rightly so because they do seem appear to be doing everything right. Yeah, but same with Serbia. I like, I like, love seeing Serbia grip. Um, yeah. We had a little conversation about that the other day where we, we talked about the money and obviously Colin last week touched on that as well. I'd just like to see a bit more money thrown about in other European countries because I think that Balkan Super League could be uh, really something.
0: I'm glad you're listening, man. Like you're, you, right. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're up to date. You listened to the episode with Colin last week, one of my favourites, and yeah, you're up to date, man. That's good. Yeah, we, more, more money in these nations, I think that's, that's, that's definite. What was the question again? Rory Anderson, terrible question.
1: Uh, would what, you, what would you, you been... rather sit? <laughs> oh, you want? No, do you want I know the... I know the. I know the question. <laughs> right. Shall we move oh, on? Oh, have we
0: got? Um, yeah, let's move
1: on. Bernard Fizz says the Daily Telegraph have reported that Channel Nine are pushing for one Sydney team to be axed in favour of a second Brisbane team. I know you. Li- I know you like this question, so I'll go on to it. Will this happen? and is it the right
0: move? Mate, I'm going to ask for your opinion first, like as an outsider looking in. I don't know if you watch a lot of NRL, but what are your thoughts? Have you heard about this?
1: I have heard about it and I do believe that Brisbane should have a a second team. Um, Would I axe a team? I don't know enough about attendances and money generating and I don't know enough to decide whether to strip a Sydney team of its rights. However, I do yeah. believe in Brisbane bringing another team. Um, yeah. So that's I I don't know whether I can answer that, but I do. I, I I think it's unfair to strip a an area of its fan base for unless it's very warranted.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I agree. Brisbane needs a second team. I know they've had the they've had the South Queensland crashes before. That didn't work, but you could argue that it didn't work because the Broncos sort of killed them off and. The Super League War killed them off. Um, I think they deserve a team. I don't think a Sydney team should be axed, but I think if a Sydney team had the balls to make a move, make a financial move and, say, move to a bigger city, then it would be, in the long term, a great move for them. But to answer the question, really, uh, Channel 9 pushing for one Sydney team to be axed in favour of a second Brisbane team, Channel 9 could push all they want. At the end of the day... It's got nothing to do with channel. 9, with an, it may, they, they may have nothing to do with the next TV deal. Like Channel Ten could swoop in, offer more money, steal the rights. A different different time slots could even be packaged up and sold off separately by the NRL. I'm not saying these things will happen, but what I am saying is, I think the NRL are in control. I think the like the the NRL product is very important to Channel Nine, and the NRL should be dictating the terms. They should be making the decision on what happens next. And Personally, I'd like to see maybe 18 teams, bring in Brisbane, bring in Perth and, and see yeah. what happens.
1: That'd be great. I don't know enough <laughs> about the yeah, NRA. No, I'll try and watch it as much as I can, but I don't know enough to make a judgment on that. So it sounds good to me.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Uh,
1: we've got Arnoldo Tello, which uh, again, sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. That's does right, you're taste of That's your speciality, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Um, does having a national team full of heritage players help the growth of the game in their country?
0: That's a good question, right? So on the surface, like, no. On the surface, you want to have domestic players representing. But on the other side of things, like, I really think it depends on what level or what stage of development they're at. So we'll bring Lebanon back in as an example, but... The yeah. Lebanon, Lebanon domestic competition, and I know they're in dire straits at the moment or they're having their, their struggles at the moment, but the Lebanese domestic competition started because of success that they had at a World Cup, which essentially was an Australian team of Lebanese descent. So in that yeah. instance, it worked very well and it can work very well. But I think Lebanon are at the stage where we want them to be producing their own domestic players and relying less on their heritage players um so I, I i think that's the best example that we can give um it depends on what part of the journey you're on but i really want to see i don't know i think the quotas need to change as well like the current the current um the world cup qualifiers this year the quote, the the heritage quota is like 15 players from that squad so it doesn't leave a lot of room for domestic players yeah. i'd kind of like to see that quota even out a little bit maybe 8 8, her, eight heritage max or at least half it you know so well, yeah, I, I I think so. Anyway, what are your thoughts?
1: I'd uh, I'd say I have quite a strong opinion on that, to be honest. Because although Wales is seems at the thick of it, they are actually uh, full of heritage players, uh, and I do believe that that restricts the development of the nation more. Maybe not so much in a in a country that's far away from uh, the heartlands. So North Wales is not far from. Uh, what you'd say is like North West England, uh, and that's where your true pathways come in. And I, th- I think more than anything, it hinders uh, the the processes because uh, this might be, this might be a bit strong and out there, but I believe that they. I don't know whether they do, but if Wales were to acquire a couple of English players, I'd imagine they'd spend more money on paying them English players than they would putting it into the. Uh, like leagues, but that might just be a a bit of a anomaly of a of a system because we're so close. So, say someone like Jamaica, it looks like it works with Jamaica, and they can take it back. Whereas, like in in Wales, it seems like it, it hinders. And I think it doesn't have to hinder because if you got them heritage players young enough and use the database properly and stuff, you could file them into. You, the likes of your North Wales Origins and your Southeast and Southwest, and then once they come up through them pathways and stuff, you, you're then taking their knowledge of the game back. Yeah, yeah, and, it and I think necessarily after like Origins, like six training sessions, six games, something like that. Like it doesn't. If you only got to give twelve days a year up to be involved in that,
0: it's a good point, man. I'm glad you mentioned Jamaica too, because obviously they've gotten to their first World Cup off the back of heritage players. Like, their their side that beat the US in in the America's Cup in 2018 had a lot of heritage players in it that had been together and that had built up towards that moment. And without that, you know, we wouldn't have had this explosion that's going on in Jamaica for Rugby League. And they're doing... But they're doing the right things because now they're starting to develop those domestic players. And when, when Jamaica... um come over and play the England Knights later this year. You know, Romeo Montefi has said that they're going to try and mix in some domestic players in, in with those heritage guys to learn the craft and build the future, the future reggae warriors. So, I think they're doing it right, and I,
1: I kind of think that's the way to go. And, uh, I also think... Sorry. No, no, second. you go. Just to touch on that, I do think, like you mentioned, uh, Romeo Montefi uh, he's always actively involved in whatever happens with the heritage and whatever happens back at home. I think that's vitally important because if you then say, like, if you go off and get a coach for a heritage team who has no heritage or does not live in that country or whatever, I feel like that hinders more than anything as well. Because if even if the coach wasn't as good as the players in terms of um, thought process or skills or you know, a uh, thingy when them heritage players come in so go back to jamaica yeah ashton goldens uh, he'll be able to teach a coach which is what the beauty of rugby league is mm. so the them the heritage players i do think i think the way that jamaica deal with it is better than the way other countries deal with it yeah definitely and i think it it, it there's a there's not a fine line but i think it doesn't always have to be team rules, players. It can be players' benefits, team. Instead of you, you have to think outside the box of it, rather than be like, "Oh, well, we can get like, for example, oh, we can get Wayne Bennett in." Yeah, but why? Yeah, yeah. At- teach, teach someone from your country to be Wayne Bennett. I will say The that. more opinions he has, and the more systems he learns, the more the better he'll get.
0: I will say on that, if Wayne Bennett isn't coaching England, they don't make that World Cup grand final and lose to the Kangaroos by six. They don't even get there. I, I think he's. Yeah, that's fair
1: yeah. Enough. That, that was an example. Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, Wayne should have an assistant who is English, who he, who he can bring along to sort of fill his position when he's done. Kind of like what he did with Stephen Kearney when he was coaching New Zealand or helping out New Zealand. When they won twenty in twenty thirteen, yeah. so yeah, definitely, man. What what do you think? So, question without notice, but when we're talking rugby league in Wales, wh- what level do you think Wales is at with all their heritage players, and what level do you think they are at with all sort of Welsh born or domestic players? So I'd count like Regan Grace as a. I wouldn't say he's heritage, even though he plays in England. That's,
1: that's a very tough one because I couldn't tell you fully who is heritage and who is not. Yeah i know that a lot of the... If you were to put your uh, full squad together, I know that uh, there's a large chunk of them that are heritage. Um, I would say we would still gain qualification to the World Cup, but we would do it by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting if you put us in... So, so let's say we only used... We used no heritage players, and then we... Uh, lost to Ireland in that qualification game, and now we're back in the pool. So Ireland play, is it Italy and someone? Italy and Spain. I think Italy and Wales with no heritage. Very interesting game.
0: Mm, Very interesting, man. Um, It's just funny, man. Wales, I, I know it's something we could talk about all night, and your lunch break is probably almost over, but I remember a bloke called Kieran Cunningham who when I first started watching St Helens back in the day was probably one of my favourite players in the world and he uh, I, I thought big things were happening for Wales off the back of him, but sort of hasn't hasn't transpired in that way but hopefully there's some more Kieran Cunninghams coming through the system over in Wales, man.
1: I think uh, a lot of the, again maybe controversial, I think a lot of heritage players, maybe not for the the not lesser nations but the ones that are still developing properly like you tend, once you get to like a tier two nation, heritage players are all about money. So yeah, it's not so much like say Greece. I know um, but I think it's Robert Toulou. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's an Australian. Used to play for Australian students. He's you know he's he's made a good account of himself. He's always available for Greece. Always. And that's not about money. That's about wanting to be there. Whereas yeah. once you get to that next tier up, it's all about how much can they pay it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's it's probably true, but yeah. To answer the question again, like, I think it's down to circumstance. So, what else have we got, man? Your lunch break must
1: almost be over. I feel, yeah, feel well, sorry um, for your boss. We can we can we can wrap <laughs> up on this one if you like, because it, okay. it's actually the perfect one to wrap up on. Actually, so, I know what you're gonna ask. Go for it. Paul Mark says, who is Nagardi and why do you fucking hate
0: him? I knew you were going to ask that one last. Um, So I'm going to start by saying I don't hate him. Okay, I don't hate Quinn Nagardi. Quinn Nagardi is who it is. Quinn is a Canadian-born former Toronto Wolfpack squad member. And if you listen back, if if you've listened to the podcast from the beginning or you've listened to episode one, uh, we spoke on that episode about how Quinn basically left the wolf pack defected uh, because he wasn't getting getting any game of the wolf pack just wasn't quite that level but only 19 years of age so could have got there you know with a little bit of nurturing but probably wasn't was was didn't think he, he was getting enough game time so we talked about that and how we wish he was back in the game or we hope he comes back one day and my co-host uh, at the, at the very beginning one of my co-hosts Charlie he ended the episode we said okay thanks for listening guys we'll see you next time and he says, and fuck you, Nagati. And that just became the sign off and sort of I've tried I've 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 thought about changing it in the past, but people have said no, you gotta keep it and I think it makes for a good little story too. So I don't hate you, Quinn Nagati, if you're listening. Come on the show one day if you like, if you're listening, mate. But um don't hate ya, but come back come back one day. But yeah, fuck you, Nagati. That's our saying, I'm not gonna change it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? And that, that concludes the uh, questions,
0: I believe. I will say I'll edit it towards the end, mate. Thank you for coming on, but I'll edit it towards the end because I'm obviously going to do my golden points now uh, that you can go back to work. I'll do my golden points. I'll wrap the show up, but never has a guest of the show ever said our our sign-off. They've never said it. So if you'd like to be the first, Billy, you can say it now and then I'll edit it so that we, we end the show with you saying saying the sign-off. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's
1: good. That's good to Oh, well, can I, add, can I add up the books after as
0: well? Yes, you can. Awesome. Guys, if you're ever listening and wondering where can I get some International Rugby League gear from some of the nations that I talk about, and I say some because we talk about so many and not all of them have gear available, but if it's available, there's a good chance it's on mascordbrowns.com, mascordbrowns.com.au. And as you know, exclusive discount code, 10% off, for Chasing Kangaroos listeners only. The code is Kangaroo Court. It's Kangaroo, C-A-U-G-H-T. Use it at checkout, mascordbrowns.com, mascordbrowns.com.au. Uh, support the people who support International Rugby League guys and get yourself some really cool International Rugby League gear that no one else will have. Guys, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. And if we didn't get to your question, I'm really sorry. Uh, blame Billy, though, because he picked his favourites, so look, I had nothing to do with it. I'm just answering them. because um, yeah, look, thank you very much. Overwhelming. We've had more questions submitted than ever before, so it uh, just goes to show how much interest and hunger there is for International Rugby League out there. And guys, it's time for my favourite segment. It's the Golden Points. So let's get started over in Fiji. Guys, the Fijian Rugby League have announced that zero Barty players will take part in their match against the Australian Prime Ministers 13 later this year. Instead, local domestic players will take centre stage. And what an opportunity it is for some of these guys to test themselves against players who are amongst the best in the world, let's be honest. Now, I'm sure a few scouts and managers will be watching closely. I think this is a great move. Um, I'm just really keen to let these local domestic Fijians get on the main stage. We're going to see more and more of these guys filter through to the NRL. It means Fiji is going to be stronger and stronger. They're going to be Tier 1 very soon. They'll be the next nation to be Tier 1, mark my words. Uh, They'll be beating the likes of Tonga in no time, and this is where it begins. So great move. Congratulations to Fiji Rugby League. Great move, guys. I applaud it. Golden point over to Nicaragua. And uh, the first ever rugby league game was played in the Central American nation last weekend. It was the ULUA rugby side. They defeated uh, Chinandega Volcano 24 points to 14. Now, these are two of the four former rugby union clubs who have made the switch to rugby league uh, over there in Nicaragua. And I've been asked a question uh, earlier this week as well. Are these guys playing both rugby union and rugby league uh, or have they switched? As I understand it, they have made the switch completely. Uh, so, unhappy with the Rugby Union administration over there. They've made the switch. A little bit of a schism. Reminds me very much of 1895 and 1908. It's happening 2019 in Nicaragua. So, we'll watch this space very closely, but congratulations to those guys. little bit of footage up on our Instagram and Facebook pages as well, if you're keen to check that out. Guys, Golden Point and staying in the Latin nations. So Latino Nines, just a reminder that the Latino Nines are on this Saturday, September 7, at Hillier Oval in Liverpool. Now, that's Liverpool in Sydney, guys, so not Northern England. So if you're from England, don't head on to... If there's a Hillier Oval, don't head there. There won't be anything going on. Or well, no Latino Nines. Anyway, guys, Pool A will feature previous champions, Chile. They'll feature El Salvador and Nicaragua. Uh, and Group B will include Brazil, Peru, and Uruguay. So really exciting times. Try and get out there if you can. There'll be plenty of food, entertainment, some good rugby league as well if you're at Liverpool Way this Saturday. Golden point, guys, over to the US of A. September 7 is also the date for the USARL All-Stars match in Tampa. So this is essentially the USA's version of State of Origin as the best Americans from the Northern Conference will take on the best from the South. Uh, The boys are playing for Hawks jerseys in the Down to Nines World Cup later this year and also to pull on those jerseys against the Cook Islands in the all-important World Cup qualifier in November. Uh, the South have never lost an All-Stars game in the history of this uh, of this concept. But I'm back in the North. I think the North are going to win their first one this time. Off the back of the Brooklyn Kings Grand Final. A victory a, couple of, a week and a half ago. Uh, go the North. All right, Golden Point, Canada. And speaking of origin-style matchups, the British Columbia Bulldogs were too strong for the Alberta Broncos. They won the Battle of the West... Uh, 44 points to 20. In the women's match, much closer. It was 26-0, and that was a British Columbia storm up against the Alberta Broncos as well. Uh, congratulations to all involved, especially British Columbia um, Bulldogs, the men winning that one quite convincingly. Congratulations to Josh Knight and the team over there. Guys, Josh Knight, uh, recently, I had, sp- I had a chat to him, episode 32, it's called We Love You, Negardi. Uh And recently, uh, Josh, if you're listening, it is our most listened to episode of Chasing Kangaroos ever. So just 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 happened last week. So awesome work. If you haven't listened yet, go back, find out what all the fuss is about. Very popular episode, uh, episode 32, Josh Knight. Guys, golden point over to Russia. We spoke about it last week, them pulling out of the World Cup, but the rebuilding has commenced over in the Russian Rugby League. So the club championship is back. We've reports that the Veraya Bears have defeated the Moscow Trees 54-26. to uh, do we have a new favorite team name? The trees go to the trees. I don't. I think that's unique. I've never heard that one before. Moscow trees. Love it, guys. Golden Point, Great Britain. So Wayne Bennett has announced his Great Britain Lions squad, the training squad anyway, 29-man training squad. Uh, I'm very shocked. Welsh winger Regan Grace, big mission in my opinion. I think he's been one of the best over in the Super League all year. Uh, not sure why he's not there. Uh, the 29 squad included Aussie-born Scottish international Lachlan Coote and Australian-born Blake Austin as well. Uh, a lot of controversy over there, but I think they deserve it. Guys, this squad excludes NRL-based players who will be named later on. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And look, it can change. So Regan Grace, hopefully, might find his way there. Really hope he does anyway. Um, guys, golden point, Euro 19, so the Ukraine are the 8th and last nation to qualify for the Euro 19's championship in Lignano in Italy for 2020 after defeating the Turkish under-19 side 24-0. A golden Point over in New Zealand, and the Howick Hornets have upset the Mount Albert Lions 22 to 18 in the SAS Fox Memorial Shield. Uh, what a great comeback by the Hornets! They trailed 14-4 at halftime, ended up winning the chocolates. Great job, guys! Guys, Golden Point over in Lebanon, another grand final. So the prototype uh, 2019 season is over. The Tripoli Kings are the champs. They defeated the Beirut Wolves. 18 points to nil at the Olympic Stadium in Tripoli. So, a little bit of backstory. Obviously, we know there's quite a schism over there in Lebanon. Uh, three clubs involved in this prototype competition. They played each other once, then they played a grand final. Hoping to have a bigger competition next year with a few more clubs involved. Uh, they should be sort of back to normal. But of course, we've still got some clubs on the outer over there. Uh, hopefully, they can patch it up. But there's some really good clubs and some really good players that aren't involved here uh, and you know, could be just as strong. So yeah hopefully fingers crossed Lebanon can sort some things out in the next year but yeah let's watch this space and we'll try and keep you posted and give you a very fair and unbiased assessment of the situation as we go uh guys golden point NRLW so the second season of the NRLW was launched this week uh and the for the first uh, the first round will kick off in line with the NRL semi-finals like it did last year. Now, I won't say too much about it this week because I'm going to talk a little more about the NRLW next week with my special guest hosts. Yeah, hosts, that's two of them. Uh, but just quickly, my tip for 2019, the Mighty Dragons. Hopefully, us Dragons fans have something to G4. Guys, Golden Point USA, uh, Houston, we do not have a problem. I've been speaking to Chris Milledge, or Mileage, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, mate. He listens to the show and he's the man behind a push to grow rugby league in Texas. Now a little bit of history, Chris was born in San Diego, grew up playing rugby union in high school and college. He did so well that he had the opportunity to play union in Australia and this is where he discovered rugby league. So a few years ago Chris moved back to the USA, he moved to Houston to play uh, in the major league rugby uh, competition for the Houston Sabercats but it's no secret his desire is to play rugby league in a USA based competition. So he'll be one of the little-known USA-based players who will line up for uh, California Rugby League's first exhibition match this December when the LA Munger will take on the San Francisco Savage. And the work going on in California has inspired him to do the same in Texas. Now, this is exciting, guys. We could see, like, the Dallas Dragons up against the Houston Sharks, uh, the Austin Broncos or the San Antonio Storm. Who knows? And Chris is getting the ball rolling and trying to connect with people who can help him set up teams in these areas. Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. Like the NRL, the goal is to include touch women's and men's squads in the four major cities to form a new conference, potentially as soon as 2020. Uh, the teams would compete over the summer, running parallel to the USARL schedule. Perhaps one day we could see conferences split with East Texas and West Texas as part of a greater USARL. Now, if you're from Texas, you're in one of those areas, You're in, or you're just interested in joining, playing, playing, coaching or assisting in the inaugural Texas Rugby League season, DM me. I'll put you in touch with Chris. Really exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, Dallas Dragons. Let's make it happen, guys. Guys, I'm very excited to say that with the help of graphic designer Jack Cronin, uh, who you can find on Instagram and Twitter at Caesars Palace, uh, we are naming our World 13 side, the best rugby league players in each position, and we want you to help us decide on the team. So the vote is happening on the Chasing Kangaroos Instagram stories right now. Uh, in fact, first stories would have went up the day that this episode is released, so you might have missed the wildcard round. Let me tell you how it works. So each Thursday, we will pit players against each other in each position. Now, we've seeded our top six players uh, in each position and four wildcards. So the wild cards face off in round one, which may have already happened, so sorry if you missed that, uh, and those two winners will enter the top eight. Uh, we'll continue the knockout vote each week until we have our World 13 Uh, The Chasing Kangaroos, Caesars Palace World 13. Going to be really exciting, guys. So jump on our Instagram page and join the fun. Now, I've got some cool episodes planned for the next few weeks. I'll be speaking to someone from Turkish Rugby League, which I'm really excited to learn all about. I'll be speaking to someone uh, on Rugby League in Western Australia, which is going to be pretty cool, a little bit closer to home to what I usually speak about. And next week, I'll be joined by not one, but two guest hosts. I call them the Rugby League Media Power Couple. Uh, You get to meet them on episode 38, so really looking forward to recording with those guys. I know they're listening, so looking forward to next week, guys. But until then, thank you, Ricky Cancino and Ash Barco for our theme music. And as promised, bringing Billy back through the power of editing to sign us off.
1: So just edit time now, yeah? Do it, mate. Do it. That's it, guys. Fuck you, Nagadi. And up the ducks.